Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website for the Holy Church of God. And I'm so glad to be able to do the work of an evangelist today and reach out through the Internet. (laughs) And I'm glad that you have your computer on and you are ready to go to the Word of God today. We invite you to be our special guest if you've never uh, listened before. We know we have listeners in Africa because uh, they have contacted us, uh, uh, and we welcome you from Africa. We've had people uh, come to our website from all over the world. Wherever you are in this world, we welcome you today to this broadcast. We pray it will be a special blessing to you because we're going to be teaching from the Word of God as we operate on the overarching theme of these teachings in this Christmas season, separating the holy day from the holiday. It's all right to celebrate the holiday called Christmas as long as we as Christians are able to separate the holy day that it is from the commercialized holiday that the world celebrates. They don't really understand what we know and should fully understand uh, about this season and the significance of the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. We've titled this message, God in the Midst. God in the Midst, the Secret of all spiritual blessings. So as we talk about God in the midst today, we're going to be dealing with two scriptures in particular as the foundation for this teaching. One is found in in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 23. The other is found in the book of Joel in the Old Covenant, chapter 2 and verse 27. So taking those two scriptures as our foundation scriptures for the teaching. We pray that you will be blessed today. We're celebrating in January of this year, 45 years, where I have been the senior pastor of the Holy Church of God Incorporated. And uh, wow, when I say that, I date myself 45 years. I told someone I've been the senior pastor for 45 years, and they said, you're a very senior pastor. I was a little late getting to uh, a church one Sunday, and uh, someone told me they were about to send out a silver alert. <laughs> Amen. Well, I know I'm aging, but you know something? God has blessed us with decades of ministry to be consistent in our calling. I want to be able to say with Paul of old, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I fought a good fight, kept the faith, (laughs) finished my course. Amen. And and when that day is done, uh, I will be ready to be offered up. Hallelujah. Surely there's a crown, Paul said, awaiting for me, and not me only, but all those who love his appearing. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 1 and verse 23 says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. 
You see, friend, it will not be God above us in heaven, but God with us right here in this fallen world, right here on planet Earth. Not just the most high God, but the most nigh God. God in the midst. Joel 2.27, I want to read that very quickly. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people will never be ashamed. I want to make a statement as we uh, talk about these topics under the heading God in the midst. Jesus Christ came into this fallen world. This sinful and rebellious world. This world controlled by Satan and inhabited by the slaves to sin. To bring salvation and thereby to restore fellowship with God. Friend of mine, Jesus in the midst, and thereby God being in the midst, God with us, is the key to every Christian's peace, to Christian peacefulness. Listen to John 20 and verse 19. It said, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace beeth unto you. And verse 21 says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you. You see, friend, in the time of trouble and in troubled times, there's no greater consolation than the promise of the presence of God. And His message to us through His presence and by His Word is peace be unto you. In the Old Covenant, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 46, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Listen to it carefully. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present, not just present, a very present, present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. Why? Because he's in the midst, because he's a very present. You know, when you're going through trials and tribulations and troubles, and in those times our emotions get get pressed and taxed to the limit, and we can't seem to find or feel the presence of God. And I want you to know where he is. He's not sitting aloof in his heaven. He's not far from us as the circumstances may seem to dictate. He is in the midst. He is with us just like he promised that he would be. So Christian peace, therefore, is not the absence of trouble but rather the presence of God, no matter what the trouble is. 
I like what Bob Mumford said. He said, peace with God brings peace of God. It is a peace that settles our nerves, fills our mind, floods our spirit, and in the midst of the uproar around us, gives us the assurance that everything is all right. Billy Graham summed it up this way. He said, the the storm rages, but our hearts are at rest. I want to share with you a wonderful example of peace in times of trouble, this Jesus kind of peace. Around Christmas in 1944, Bert, Bert Friesen was fighting in the Battle of the Bulge, hit by enemy shrapnel, badly wounded and unable to move. He lay out on the battlefield, waiting for death or whatever was to come. Much of the time, during those six long hours, he sang softly over and over again the words of the song he had learned from his mother. There is a name to me most dear, like sweetest music to my ear. For when my heart is troubled, filled with fear, Jesus whispers peace. He heard a sound nearby. Opening his eyes, he saw a German soldier standing over him with a gun. This is it, thought Bert, as he waited for the shot. But the German soldier didn't shoot. He said in English, sing it again. As Bert began to sing the song again, he felt the German lift him in strong arms, place him on the ledge of a rock, His own medic spotted him a few minutes later and took him to safety. Jesus had whispered peace in the midst of the war. You see, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and He is with us. Our souls can find their rest in Him, even in times of great trouble. This is what He promised us in John's Gospel 16 in verse 33. He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. I like the Amplified. I must read that. It said, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distresses and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm, have conquered it for you. Hallelujah. You see, God in the midst is the secret of spiritual peacefulness. And Jesus, being God incarnate, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, is able to grant that peace, the kind that passes all understanding. And Jesus in the midst is also the key to Christian joyfulness. In John's Gospel, once again, verse 20, chapter 20 and verse 19, Jesus said, Peace be unto you. In John 20 and verse 20, He showed them His hands and His side. Then were the disciples glad 
when they saw the Lord. One translation said they were filled with joy, delight, exultation, ecstasy, and rapture. And, and one another translation said they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You see, Psalm 16 in verse 11 says, In thy presence there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Small wonder they were filled with joy. Jesus walked into death, entered into Sheol, and emerged again with the keys of death and hell in his belt. We should rejoice with great joy this Christmas season. Our sins have been abolished. Death has been destroyed. We have been reconciled to God. Instead of the dread of judgment, we can now enjoy fellowship with the Father and look forward to the bliss of heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans five ten and 11 says, For if we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. One paraphrase says, We rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Jesus came to take the hand of God and reach down to the hand of the lost, the damned, and the dying sinners that are hopeless and helpless to save themselves and bring us into fellowship. You see, that was the purpose of His coming, to, to restore fellowship that we might not be judged and punished and banished from heaven, but that we might be welcomed <laughs> into the Lord's kingdom and into the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Oh, friend of mine. Oh, dear friend of mine. What a joy it is. This holy day, this Christmas day that we're about to celebrate, to understand the significance of that little baby's birth and what God was saying to this world through him and the love that was manifested and demonstrated openly as he grew to a man and took our place upon the cross, the just suffering for the unjust, for this supreme, sublime purpose that he might bring us to God. Oh, friend of mine, hallelujah. You know, Jesus talked about the Father, and, and yet it seemed that the Father was so far away and hard to grasp and understand. And yet Jesus said of the Father, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He spoke these kind of words. I go to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. You see, this reconciled relationship brings us into sonship. <laughs> and the Apostle Paul used the, the, the logic out of that. And, and he said very clearly that now we are the sons of God. It doesn't appear what we shall be. Literally, we're looking through a glass darkly, but right here, right now, we are the sons of God. 
And he said, and if we are the sons of God, then we are the heirs of God. And if we are heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus. And before we talk about any of the other blessings of being a joint heir with Jesus, one of the greatest, oh no, the greatest, not one, but the very greatest blessing and the foundation for all other blessings is this reconciled relationship with God, where we, along with Christ, His only begotten, now are able to cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. To call the God of glory, the God of the universe, the God who dwells in unapproachable life, our light, our heavenly Father, is one of the greatest blessings of being reconciled. Because we come into full sonship. God doesn't have any stepchildren. I remember when Pat, one of Pat Boone's daughters married a guy, and during the hippie days, he still had his long hair and the things that made him look different from all the rest of us in church. And But he got saved, and he started going to church, and, and uh, he gave a testimony. He said, you know something? He said, I'm so glad that you welcomed me and you embraced me as a new believer. And, you know, after a while, he began to look like, a, not that the hair one way or the other is the supreme issue, but he just began to change outwardly uh, in time. But he became a Christian the moment he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Praise God. And he said, you know something? He said, I have no doubt that I'm in the kingdom of God, that I've been baptized into the body of Christ. He said at first, I'll agree, I was probably the armpit in the body of Christ. But he was acknowledging, I have been reconciled to God. I have come into God's kingdom. God has no stepchildren. We are part and parcel of the very body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, and therefore we're accepted in the Beloved and with the Beloved. Praise God. Now, because of this child, this, this baby that was born to grow up and go to the cross, take our sins upon Himself, pay the price so that we could be saved forgiven, and thereby reconciled unto God. Oh, oh, never let the holiday overshadow the holy day and the significance of it, because there is nothing, nothing like what we have in Jesus. Nothing the world has to offer can even come close or even be worthy to compare with what it means to be saved to be forgiven, to be reconciled unto God. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus Christ with us is the assurance that God has forgiven our sins. He's no longer our enemy. We're no longer enemies of His. He is now our all and all. <laughs> Amen. He is now our ally. Someone has said, we have a great enemy in the devil but we have a greater ally in Jesus Christ. Let's read from Zephaniah 3, verse 14 and 15. It says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, and be glad. 
rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why? Why is all of this mirth, all of this joy and gladness called for? Said the Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love the Amplified of this as well. It said, The Lord himself is in the midst of you, and after he has come unto you, you will not experience fear or evil anymore. So summing it up with this scripture, Christian joy is based upon a new relationship with God, a genuine reconciled relationship allowing for intimacy and fellowship provided through Jesus Christ sacrifice at the cross friend of mine today uh, you have probably heard the scripture if you're a Christian many times the joy of the Lord is your strength and the context for that scripture is when Israel was brought back into the land after their own disobedience and rebellion uh, caused them to go into slavery and be bond slaves in Babylon, and now they're back home. And in the book of Ezra, uh, the Bibles are in the book of Nehemiah. Ezra, the high priest, has read from the book of the law, and their hearts are broken. Their hearts are pricked and broken because they simply... They simply see how far they have drifted from God. But in their repentance, they were told, Oh, don't hang your heads. This is what God was after in the beginning was your repentance so he could restore that broken relationship. You see, sin breaks our relationship with God. God said to ancient Israel what he says to modern day man. My hand is not short that it cannot save. My ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. But your sin has separated between you and your God. Oh, but when Jesus came and took our place on the cross and took our punishment and we receive him as our Lord and our Savior, that broken relationship that disallowed any kind of fellowship is fully and completely restored. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And then he said, go and eat the fat. Go and drink the sweet. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Go and celebrate. You see, celebration is not condemned. It's just when we're celebrating the wrong thing. <laughs> Friend of mine, I want to out-celebrate the world. I, I know the myth <laughs> you know of uh, of santa and i know the i know the commercialization of christmas but the reason i celebrate is because i have separated the holy day from the holiday and while enjoying the holiday i reverence and thank god for the holy day for without it that's all this is a commercialized pressurized uh, excuse to party for the world oh friend of mine i'm going to party hardy with the hardy <laughs> party hardy with the holy spirit this year praise god amen i can't wait uh, to celebrate christmas with god's people in god's house singing god's praises because 
my sins have been forgiven, and I have been reconciled unto God. Hallelujah. And one scripture said we've been seated with him, with Christ in heavenly places. We are never identified separate from Jesus once we accept Christ as our Savior. And the Bible said we've been baptized not just into our denominational structure, not just into our, our, our church preference or our church uh, dogmas or creeds. We have been baptized into one body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have become, the scripture declares, his members in particular. And because we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. God accepts us in the Beloved. Hallelujah. Because we're in the Beloved. He said, this is my Beloved Son, and I'm well pleased. He is called the only begotten of God until He goes to the cross. The only one who is qualified to cry, Abba, Father, which He did in Gethsemane, according to one of the Gospel writers. O oh, friend, but when we become Christian, we are challenged to say, Abba, Father. The first words in the Aramaic uttered by infants when they recognize their, their daddy is Abba. Something an infant can speak. And just two syllables, Abba, Abba, Father. And we are told, according to the Apostle Paul, that when we say Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit bears witness of the truth of that, that God has become our Abba, Father, our Abba. And I say it with reverence. Don't get me wrong. Don't mistake the deep reverence and actual awe that I could call the God of glory, the God of the universe, and speak to Him in the same way that Jesus did and say, Abba, Father. And have the Holy Spirit say, that's right. That is your new standing. That is what fellowship with God means. You are not just servants. You have been called friends and not just friends of God. But now we are the sons of God. Hallelujah, the daughters of God. We've been brought into the family of God. Hallelujah. That's why Zechariah 2 and verse 10 says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. You see, God has always wanted to dwell with his creation to dwell with His covenant people. That's why the tabernacle was established, so God could be with them. Amen. That's why the pillar of fire followed them, and the cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night, representing God being with them every step of the way. And when we jump to the new covenant, God is not just in the midst by virtue of being with us, but God through the Holy Spirit, Christ through the Holy Spirit, is able to come and indwell our body as his earthly tabernacle and temple. <laughs> what? Know you not? Paul said that your body is the temple of the Lord. 
Wow, friend of mine, do you understand the significance of the birth of this baby who would be called Jesus Yeshua, a deliverer, a savior, and he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Someone said that Queen Elizabeth's flag flying over Buckingham Palace is a sign that the queen is in residence. Joy shining from a Christian's eyes is a sign that the King of Kings is in residence within. <laughs> Hallelujah. Joy. One theologian said, Joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. Joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. And friend of mine, in His presence, that's the reason there is fullness of joy. And I just invite you with me this Christmas season to make sure we, while celebrating the holiday, I someone asked me, did I enjoy Thanksgiving in the grocery store today? And I said, I gobbled till I wobbled. Amen. And I did. I enjoyed because feasting was part of the celebration. When the prodigal comes home, you kill the fatted calf. Go and eat the fat and drink the sweet after repentance and revival for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when we celebrate our God and celebrate our Savior and celebrate the significance of this season with joy, hallelujah, and singing and eating, amen, we are celebrating the presence of God with us and within us, remembering that Christ in us is the hope of glory, hallelujah. Well, our time is gone, uh, but we're so, so excited about understanding who Jesus is in us and who we are in Him and what began to be accomplished when that little baby in this little town of Bethlehem to this little woman called Mary, when His birth took place, oh, friend, it set in motion something that will come to conclusion and climax when the trumpet sounds, the dead rise, and we who know Him as our Savior are caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So this holy, holy day that is coming will not be overshadowed by the holiday that the world who doesn't get it is going to celebrate. Thank God for Christmas and what it truly means today. I want to ask you today a personal question. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior, what are you going to celebrate this Christmas season? What are you going to celebrate? What will you be looking forward to? Do you fear the judgment to come? Do you even believe a judgment is coming? Do you understand the love 
that God has for you. That is not His desire that any perish, but that all come to repentance and have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. I invite you right now, this holy season, come, 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 just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Come to Jesus, confess your sin, repent of it, and have fellowship restored so that you can call the God who gave His Son for you, Abba, Father, this Christmas season, and know His peace and know His joy. And come back next week, and let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.